Good morning. Thanks. I wonder if you can think of a time when you got completely the wrong end of the stick, when you got the complete wrong perspective on something. I grew up in uh, French-speaking Belgium, and so getting the wrong perspective or language misunderstandings were almost a, a daily occurrence. When I was about seven or eight, uh, we moved to a, a small village in southwest Belgium, and my parents were, were getting to know the neighbours, and um, the neighbours next door invited us for a Pierrard evening. Now, Pierrard, if we've got my um, slides, please, Bill. Um, I'll try and explain without the picture. Oh, is it coming? I'll need the picture in a minute. Um, so, yeah, so the neighbours invited us for a Pierrard evening. And uh, a Pierrard, um, some of you might be familiar with a raclette. It's, uh, so you, you come together and you sit around the table and you enjoy nice cheese and, um, and uncooked meat and, and you sort of cook them together. On, uh, and a, a Pierrard is slightly different because it's a stone. It's just a, a different um, thing. And so it's a, ve a very social um, activity. You do it together. And so um, my... My father, so he was invited to this Pierrard evening, and my dad heard pirat evening, okay? So, <clears throat> which means pirate. <laughs> and my dad being my dad, rather than checking that he'd heard correctly, he came home and announced, we've been invited to a pirate evening. Me and my brother were about eight or six at the time, so we thought, this is great. <laughs> I only need the picture in a second. <laughs> um, okay. Um, you're going to have to have great imagination, okay? So I want you to imagine that here we are, we turn up uh, to our neighbor's house all fully dressed in incredible pirate costumes, okay? And the neighbors just open the door and they think, wow. <laughs> What is this British family <laughs> up to now? <laughs> um, and there's a lovely picture. But actually, it's probably a good thing that you've not seen it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wonder if you can think of a time when you've just got completely the wrong end of the stick. I wonder also, what do you think when you hear the name Jesus? What thoughts pop, pop into your head? Are you excited? Or maybe you're not sure about him. Maybe this morning you don't believe in him, but you feel like you've lived a good life. You try to live a, a moral way and be kind to others. This morning we're going to look at someone who lived a very upright life and who thought he knew who Jesus was. Jesus was surrounded by lots of people. Some people who, who'd made their mind up about him. They decided... They, they knew who he was. They sort of put him in a box and dismissed him quite quickly. There were other people around Jesus who were watching really carefully everything that he did. They were trying to work out what he was about. And maybe this morning we can try and be like that latter group. We can, rather than jump quickly to assumptions, let's try and watch carefully what Jesus is really about. Let's try and, as we read these texts, let's try and discover 
who Jesus is. Let's pray as we look into God's word. Father, we want to really thank you because you want us to know you. And that's why you sent Jesus here. And thank you because as we look at Jesus, we can see you. We can see how amazing you are. And I pray for us this morning that as we look at these texts, some of them may be familiar to us, but you would show us again how great and how amazing you are. That we would see, without our previous assumptions, how amazing Jesus is. Amen. Okay, so we're continuing here at Portswood, our series looking through the book of John. For those of you who haven't been with us the past few weeks, John is one of the books in the New Testament, so it's the second half of the Bible, and it's about Jesus' life. And we've been seeing how John wrote this book about Jesus' life and the signs and the miracles that he did, so that we might know that Jesus is the Son of God and that we may believe in him and have life. And we'll see a bit more about what that means in the passage that we're going to read today. So if you turn with me to John 3, page 1065, in your blue Bibles, if you've got one of the church Bibles. And I'll start reading, reading from verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can, I end, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sounds, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Okay, we'll stop there for the moment. Okay, so Nicodemus is a Pharisee. The name literally comes from one who is separated. And it suggests that separated from irreligious and from impurities. The Pharisees were known for a very strict observance of God's law. For example, they were so strict about tithing, so giving God a tenth, that they even gave God a tenth of their herbs. That's how strict they were. He was even a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he had amazing credentials and status. So he was a, a very upright man, a very religious man. 
So this man comes to Jesus at night. Did you notice that? And John the author likes to tell us these things. He's a bit like in a movie when there's a, a sad scene and then it's raining and it's dark and it's stuff like that. John likes to tell us those, those details. He's not just uh, making a point here about the time of day, but he's, he's actually making a point as well. And so what does Nicodemus say? He calls Jesus a rabbi, which is a teacher. He's seen the great signs that Jesus has performed and declares that he must be a teacher from God. In fact, he hasn't even actually asked a question, but he's making an assessment of who Jesus is. He has decided that Jesus is a good teacher. Um, He's making the claim that he is qualified to see and assess who Jesus is. And so Jesus' reply is about how you see the kingdom of God. Look down with me at verse 3. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Huh, what does that mean? Well, if you see next to the word again, there's a little a in the church Bibles. Um, So if you look down at the footnotes, the Greek word means again, but also means from above. Now this is important, and Jesus is playing on this double meaning. Nicodemus' response shows shows us that he doesn't get the double meaning intended. He's simply puzzled about whether you know, someone can really have a second physical birth. But he's got the wrong perspective. So Jesus rephrases his reply with slightly different words this time. Are we still not there with PowerPoints? Sorry. Um, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. You might get to see the silly image after all. (laughs) That's why you're still here, isn't it? Um, Yes, so Jesus rephrases his reply with slightly different words. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Jesus has gently shifted from just talking about seeing to entering the kingdom. And now rather than being born again and from above... He says, born of water and the spirit. He's drawing parallels between these two sentences. So, hang on a minute. What does he mean by born of water and the spirit? And why does he get annoyed with Nicodemus for not understanding when Nicodemus then replies, you know, how can this be? Is that a bit harsh on Nicodemus? Well, to, get, to understand, we need to have a look at Um, the Old Testament scriptures. So that's the first part of the Bible to see what Jesus is talking about Uh, because these would have been some of the scriptures that Nicodemus would have been studying and teaching as a teacher of Israel. So let's have a look at Ezekiel. Uh, That's on page 868. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. from verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So, To fill you in, Israel, God's people, have offended God by bloodshed and idolatry. And so their punishment 
from God was exile, so dispersing among other nations. But the Lord wouldn't just leave it at that. He says he will bring them back, cleanse them, and transform them, and they will follow him, and he will bless them. So in the Old Testament, water and spirit refers to that cleansing from impurities, um, cleansing of impurities and transformation of the heart. The nation of Israel needed cleansing and renewing. Nicodemus failed to see his need for that. He was too confident in his own ability to think he needed repentance, let alone whole life cleansing and heart transformation. Even Nicodemus needs radical transformation. But he misunderstands. He's hindered by his arrogance and pride. He needs not just to be amended, but renewed. From his study of the Old Testament, he should have been able to grasp, firstly, the gap that exists between humans and God, and so that need for cleansing. And secondly, the need for this birth to come from above which is what Jesus means when he says flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus is saying that like produces like, so he needs God-given new birth. Humans give birth to humans, but not to children of God. Only the Holy Spirit, who is himself a member of the Trinity, and so himself God, can give birth of this new nature. Nicodemus has undoubtedly been teaching others of the conditions to enter the kingdom of God, obedience to law, commands, and rituals. But he failed to realize that even that didn't reach the standard required by God. He claims he is well-placed to assess who Jesus is, but he is mistaken. His failure to understand isn't an intellectual failure, but a failure to believe. He is sceptical. He is sceptical that, that such a birth can even take place. What about you this morning? Have you received this new birth? Have you been cleansed and renewed? Do you realize that you need it? That living a good life, trying to be a moral good person, doesn't meet the standard that God has set. Even someone of Nicodemus' status of his upright life, a religious man who would have been giving to the poor and doing great things, even Nicodemus needs this new birth, a complete, clean, and renewal from above by the Spirit. If you have received this new birth this, this morning, it reminds us of how we were saved. But it also reminds us of how easy it is for us to get things wrong to have that wrong perspective, to have that earthly perspective. It's a a bit of a reality check. We too can fall into that trap um, of thinking that, that we ourselves have earned our salvation. It's God that saves us. We can't do anything or have any status that impresses or earns anything with God. Yay. Um... Oh, here we go. So that's, that's the Pierrard, if you hadn't quite worked it out. And very quickly, these are the pirates. <laughs> um, thankfully, I've got a sword over my face, so you can't really see me. Um, yep, and our neighbours are sort of top right of the picture. There you go. 
Um, that's EQ. Um, here we go. So this discussion between Jesus and Nicodemus shows us that we are completely powerless and the futility of relying on our own ability because we can't do anything about it, just like in our physical birth. So is there anything that we can do then? And how can we get born again? So we'll get on to that. So that's our first point, our need. Let's take a look at our second point, our saviour. So look down at the passage, verse 13. Verse 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. Sorry, John. We're back in John, yeah? Okay. Um, 13, yeah. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, talking about Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his, only, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So, the Son of Man, this is the name for Jesus, is our Saviour. He is lifted up like the bronze snake. Now, what does that mean? I'm going to flick back again. Flick with me to, uh, so keep your finger in John, to Numbers 21. Uh, that's page 158. Numbers 21, 4 to 9. What is this bronze snake? They, that's the people of Israel, traveled from Mount Hor among the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who has who is bitten, can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then, when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Okay. So God has liberated the people of Israel, in this text we've just seen, from Egypt. But they were wandering, um, wandering in the desert for 40 years because they had disobeyed God. And so they started moaning, and God sent venomous snakes. God's people, the Israelites, needed to turn to the bronze snake. They needed to trust in God and turn to the bronze snake for healing. The bronze snake was lifted up, just like Jesus was lifted up on the cross. John uses the same word elsewhere when talking about Jesus lifted up on the cross. The Greek word combines the notion of physically lifted up and exalted as well. 
And like the people of Israel who needed to turn to this bronze snake for healing, we too need to turn to Jesus. By trusting, by believing in him, we can be saved. Back in John, verse 16 tells us that God loved the world so very much that he sent a very special gift, his only son, that if we believe in him, we will be saved. We might be quite familiar with this verse, but it would have been quite a shock for the people around them, for the Jews. They would have been quite familiar with God so loved Israel. But that's not what the verse says. God so loved the world. And that's great news for us. Jesus is a wonderful saviour. We were powerless, like in our physical uh, birth, there was nothing that we can do. Our part is to believe and to trust in Jesus. If you haven't yet received that second birth this morning, this is how we enter the kingdom of God. This is how we get that new birth that Jesus was speaking about. Verse 18, Peter read it earlier, couldn't be clearer. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. If Jesus is already your saviour, I hope that these verses excite you and remind you what a wonderful saviour he is and they should warm our hearts to adore him and worship him this morning. What a wonderful saviour. Jesus gave up everything. He became flesh. He came down from heaven because there was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. He did it. And that's great. So that's our second point, our saviour. Um, and our third point this morning is our choice. So let's look at um, verse 19. This is the verdict. Light came into the world, but people loved darkness. Instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be plainly seen, sorry, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. If you try a video, Bill, how are you feeling? <laughs> Thanks. Might need the lights. Thank you. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. <sighs> Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself.
This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. So that short clip is from uh, The Matrix. Um, it's a great film. It's, um, so in that clip, Neo, the guy that doesn't have the sunglasses, um, is asked <laughs> if he wants to know the truth. And he's got those two pills. And he's got a choice to make. He could swallow the red pill and know the truth about The Matrix. And it will all be, un all be exposed. But it's going to be a bit uncomfortable. Or he could choose the blue pill and go back to his bed and uh, just continue as things are. And we've seen this week how uh, people um, have been using things like offshore accounts and companies to hide truth about their money. Hiding things, keeping things in the dark, can seem quite appealing. Um, but it's easy for us to think that this is just reserved to the, the rich and wealthy tax dodgers. But if we're honest with ourselves, are there areas in our lives that we prefer not to be exposed to the light? Maybe the things that we say behind people's backs, our thoughts, what we watch on television or on our computers, or a little lie that we say to get us out of something. We have a choice to make. Jesus is the light, but he can be uncomfortable. Jesus exposes and convicts us of our evil ways. The light came into the world, but people loved the darkness. Because the, the, because the light exposes our cravings, our evil ways that we love, the desires of our hearts, Jesus exposes these. Jesus exposes our failures and changes our heart's desires. We won't be able to experience the great joy that Jesus has to offer if we continue to hold on to our old evil ways, even though they may seem appealing. We need to be transformed. We need our hearts warming to love the light. We have a choice to make. We can either continue to hold on to the darkness, to our evil ways, or we can love the light, expose the truth, and be transformed. Are there areas in your lives are there areas in my life that we need to, that we prefer to keep in the darkness? Are there areas that we need convicting and exposing? We need to pray that we will love the light. Okay, so what have we seen this morning? Well, first of all, we've seen um, our need. Nicodemus's pride. His confidence in himself prevented him from seeing that he needed that cleansing and renewing by the Spirit from above. He was powerless, like in um, our physical birth, to save himself. 
he too needed cleansing from above. We saw that Jesus is our saviour. He came down from heaven. He was lifted up on the cross like the bronze snake was lifted up in the desert. The people of Israel put their faith in this bronze snake and we need to put our faith in Jesus. And then we saw that we have a choice to make. To love the light that is uncomfortable and exposes the truth or to continue in the darkness with our desires and cravings. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, thank you for this passage that you've given us where we can see the discussion between you and Nicodemus. Thank you for what it shows us. Thank you that um, you, you answered Nicodemus's questions, that you were ready to, you know, even though he got it wrong, you were patient with him. And I pray that you would help us this morning, that you would give us that perspective as well, that we would see uh, that we need that new birth, that we ourselves can't um, give ourselves that new birth And I want to thank you that you're such a wonderful saviour. I want to thank you that you came down for us. Please help us to love the light and expose those areas in our lives that are in darkness. Amen.